We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by Abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer that he is. He'll talk about the state of boxing, uh, his journey as a kid on the streets to a boxing champion, his his living the American dream, sports, music, culture, and family life, and of course, being a husband and a girl dad. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers! Kittle is gonna go! Touchdown! Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy's sitting right there. That's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And we have a guest with us today as we prepare for the 49ers-Patriots game on Sunday in New England. We've got Henry McKenna, who covers the Patriots over at Patriots Wire, also a big beer guy. Uh, Henry, thanks for taking (laughs) time out of your, I guess, morning, late morning, where you're at right now, late morning to, uh, to talk with us. Yeah, what's up, guys? For the for the listeners out there, you know, these two guys are my boys. <laughs> Obviously, Chris really used to be a Niners Wire guy, total stud, yeah. moved on, 
And then the Prince of Niners Wire, Mr. Madsen, moved <laughs> up in the ranks and took over, and it's been uh, it's been history ever since. This is great. I, this is why I wanted Henry on was to just shower us with compliments about how great of friends we are. Since I do since Henry's friends. a big since Henry's a big beer guy, is it fair to ask if he's already started drinking beer? Oh, great <laughs> <point>. <laughs> oh not yet. But okay. then again, it's, how it's can you trust garbage. me if you can't see me? Right. Uh, that's that's point. true. Very good point. Very good point. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna get into some of the. I, I guess we'll get a little bit into the the nuts and bolts of the Niners Pats matchup. Uh, but really, there's some larger storylines with the Patriots that that we want to chat about and cover. Uh, so the, the one, the one that, that really sticks out to me, Henry is, uh, I mean, you and probably most people covering the Patriots had only covered the Patriots prior to this year with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick as the quarterback head coach combo. What's the vibe been like post Brady? Has it changed at all? Or is it still pretty much the same, uh, kind of Bill Belichick run ship? Well, the, the vibe that I'm getting is all through zoom. So definitely limited in that sense, but um, you know, I would say Belichick is running things exactly like carbon copy um, to how he has. It's just, it has, they have a different quarterback and that quarterback is like way cooler. It's Cam Newton. I mean, Tom (laughs) Brady's like a dad nerd who is obsessed with like his own fitness products. and Newton's way more interesting. I mean, he wears cool clothes. He's um, he's very like sharp with like he, he always has like a a very clever quote. Like every time you you hear him speak, he's like he says something that kind of like raises your eyebrows. Versus Tom Brady when he led press conferences um, was very dry and intentionally so. He kind of like turned his back on New England media as soon as um, Deflategate kind of fell apart um or at least when it first started um uh, his relationship with new england media fell apart uh, i think because there was a lot of finger pointing at him and he kind of like never let that go i don't think so his his press conferences have always been pretty boring and newton keeps it fresh keeps it exciting and fun and uh interesting did i ever tell you my my cam newton story i think i've told kyle this but uh when cam was with the patriots they were practicing at san jose state and i was covering him and i was trying to write a story about cam hanging out with steph curry and going to a warriors game because him and steph curry are are boys and i asked a steph curry question and cam straight up just gives me a nunya just goes nunya next question i was like what (laughs) (laughs) like that was the first time that's ever happened to me and from then on i friendship yeah from then on i had it i had an under more of an understanding of of what what type of uh what type of per player Cam Newton is is to cover, um, but you know I, I'm curious too because we're we're talking about a Pats team that's coming off a loss to the Denver Broncos at home, and I think the 49ers were sort of in a similar situation a couple weeks ago. They lost back to back games and um, home games against the Eagles and Dolphins in games they were heavily favored in. Um, I'm I'm curious as to what you think the vibe is with the Patriots, and also too. Um, how much did the, the whole COVID situation and not practicing, uh, impact that? And, and are you expecting them to, to maybe have more of a more Belichickian like performance on on Sunday, given that things are a little bit back to normal now? 
Right. Yeah. So like Devin McCourty was talking about this yesterday. He's a Patriots captain, Pro Bowl safety. Um, he was saying how relieved he was to be able to go into the facility on Wednesday and start their pregame routine um, and sort of begin their installation process. And on Monday mornings, they had their meeting that um, included what is normally Bill Belichick absolutely tearing into every single player on the roster. <laughs> and while that doesn't sound nice, I think uh, what McCordy was sort of suggesting was that it actually felt good because uh, it was normal. It was the routine that these guys like. And I don't know. I mean, the pandemic has really shaken up everyone's life routine. And it's it makes for a lot of like sitting and waiting. And the waiting is a bummer because everything's so uncertain. Um, those are feelings that everyone's probably feeling universally. And the Patriots were really feeling that over the over the two weeks leading up to the Broncos game. Um, so I think there's a, there's definitely a, a feeling of relief going through the locker room. Now that is until, you know, maybe someone tests positive again. We'll see. But as far as how the it impacted them sort of logistically, I think that was that was probably even more impactful than the mindset that I was talking about earlier, where, you know, how, I mean, imagine trying to, to practice for a game twice. Um, you have, I, I think the Broncos were really bummed out because they got, um, they felt like they got shafted because they had to practice six times for the game. Normally in a bye, you would be doing a little more self-scouting and stuff like that. Patriots only got two practices and one of them was a walkthrough. Um, and, uh, you know, that it is as the name sounds for, for fans, like literally you're just walking through practice. So Cam Newton was only able to attend the walkthrough, which he was saying after the game was a big part of why he was having trouble anticipating players getting open in their routes before they, before it happened. So, you know, I mean, if you think back to how the offense was built around Tom Brady, it was all about Brady reading coverages and seeing plays kind of before they happened, seeing Julian Edelman get open before it happened and throwing with that anticipation. The offense hasn't changed that much and Newton has to do the exact same thing. But rather than having worked, you know, eight years with that, with Julian Edelman, like Brady had, you know, Newton's had this weird truncated off season, no preseason, now two weeks off and he actually contracted COVID. So he missed um, 10 days so all sorts of discontinuous elements for New England heading into that Broncos game. And that's exactly what it looked like when they got on the field. They, they looked like they hadn't practiced because they hadn't. And so I think they look like a more coherently prepared team going into week seven. But so does the 49ers. I think a lot of what I'm saying about the the Patriots is probably kind of true of what's happening over in San Francisco. It's just that last week you, your team kind of got it back together um, with their injuries with Garoppolo with Kittle. It's sort of like, Oh, this is what this team could look like. So that's what that will, I mean, if the Patriots actually look good this week, that would make it a pretty fun matchup because the records aren't great for either team, but the talent level can be there and the performance execution, et cetera, can be there with these teams. We've seen it. Are the Patriots' offensive weapons good enough to to win a Super Bowl? I know that was a big complaint last year, and I'm not sure they did a ton to to kind of remedy that over the offseason. Yeah, I mean, do you guys know who Demir Bird is? 
He's a receiver. That was a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. He had kind of a funky <laughs> lineup. Yeah, Demir Bird has the first, third most snaps among offensive players in New England. He's a receiver. He played pretty well for Arizona as their like third, fourth option in the offense last year. Really sounded familiar. Uh, third, yeah, it was third <laughs> option. Um, and he's now got the most snaps among receivers over Nikhil Harry, over Julian Edwin. And oh his production is is not impressive. It's not like he's doing much to like keep justifying these snaps. On the year, he's got 14 catches for 179 yards. He would probably be the 49ers like fourth or fifth option in their offense right now. Um, so that's what the Patriots are dealing with. It's a shortage of talent. Their tight end situation is is honestly probably worse. Ryan Izzo, a guy you probably haven't heard of either. Um, and then Nikhil Harry, a former first-round pick um, in 2019, has just really not turned into a player that justifies that high draft position. And Julian Edelman's been banged up with a knee injury all year, and, and the Patriots never talk about injuries, but his must be pretty severe because – He's been on the injury report for every single practice this regular season. And he's playing 75% of snaps, which is extremely uncharacteristic for the guy that has made his living of being this sort of like, I think his book was, was relentless. So 75% of snaps isn't exactly relentless. So with Cam Newton, obviously, there was so much talk of him going to New England and Josh McDaniels having an opportunity to to remake that offense and and utilize Newton's skill set by, you know, doing a lot of zone read stuff and u- utilizing his legs, um, particularly in short yardage in the goal line. Um, how has that been going? And is, is that something that's sustainable for them? Uh, in terms of, you know, viability for a contending team, similar to, to Kyle's question, like, can they do that the whole way um, and, and make a, a, a deep playoff run? Uh, because it's it's notable because the 49ers really struggle against against mobile quarterbacks. And I would imagine, given the Niners' defensive end situation, that that's going to be an area that the Patriots really try to exploit. I think they don't quite have a good balance established yet. So against the Seahawks, Newton was was running the ball and and in week one against the Dolphins Newton was running the ball a ton and you you maybe saw them actually run the ball with him too many times in week two against the Seahawks the Patriots fans probably remember got stopped at the goal line by because they ran the same play like four times in one game and and three times earlier it had been successful and had getting the Patriots either like first down or a touchdown but on that fourth time the Seahawks stopped the Patriots and they lost the game. Um, it was the final offensive play for New England. Had right. they scored, they win. Um, and then this week against the Broncos, they, they only used four or five um, designed uh, run pass, or sorry, uh, uh, RP, uh, gosh, read RPO. option plays. And that brings that stumbly bumbly. Um, moment that I just had there brings me to my next point, which is they're not making good use of those option plays because they they could be taking it and building this direction out of it where they're using RPO and they're using um, different 
sort of counters to what they're building in this playbook. So, you know, Josh McDaniels is known as a pretty creative guy, mm-hmm. but you haven't seen that creativity built built around Newton quite yet. You know, they've only really done like sort of the status quo of what Newton can do. But what gets interesting in New England's playbook is when they take, they, they sort of develop a status quo and then they change your understanding of it by building wrinkles around it. And we haven't seen that done yet where, you know, you see, a, you, I mean, I, I can't even like, let's, I just want to see Josh McDaniels be more creative and, and Newton ha, is sort of like the quarterback of infinite opportunity and, and they're, they're really kind of hemming him into a box. Um, so hopefully that that's when McDaniels starts to sort of flex against, uh, the 49ers who, like you said, are pretty vulnerable to that sort of stuff. I feel like in the past, we've seen the Patriots kind of hit a stride uh, on both sides of the football in kind of mid-October, maybe into November, where uh, they just start kind of looking like a really dominant team. Do you expect that this year, especially considering that there was no offseason where the Pats kind of uh, start to figure it out for lack of a better word. Yeah. So I was, I was writing a little bit about <clears throat> how new England struggles to pass judgment, basically the national media ever since Trent Dilfer famously said, this team's not good <laughs> anymore in 2014. Like everybody's just scared to say the Patriots are bad because Bill Belichick always proves them wrong. So in, in 2014, there was that famous chiefs blowout. Then there was that night where Belichick was like on to Cincinnati and then the Patriots went three and two and then they won the Super Bowl. In 2016, they went two and two. They won their fifth game. They went to um, a Super Bowl. And I think in both 2017 and 2018, again, two and two, win the fifth game, go to a Super Bowl. Um, I got to pull up my article on that to fact check all those dates. But basically, like you're saying, New England has sort of this legacy of shaky start, figure out what they're good at, what they're bad at, move on, win playoff games. And I don't think that this season is necessarily any different because, um, like you said, and like I've been talking about with COVID, the Patriots have had less time to prepare and get to know their personnel. And... They had Tom Brady at the center of their offense. They didn't really have to change much from year to year. It was more about who's changing around him. Well, now they've got a new quarterback at the middle of their offense. And like I was saying about um, zone read options and run pass options, you know, maybe there are elements that they haven't quite utilized Cam Newton and the players around him to the best of their abilities. So um, I think the Patriots are still figuring things out. The tricky thing is that New England has an enormously challenging schedule. So it's like, how long can they actually afford to figure things out? Because if they can't get it together really this week, then they fall to two and four. And the AFC East is like kind of bad. The Bills are like kind of good. Um, and the Dolphins kind of look like they might be good, even though they're turning to Tua Tagovailoa. But risky. They can do some stuff. Yeah, they can do stuff. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, you, I think they can pull this off and I, I think there's reason to believe that this is sort of that turning point in the season. Like they always have, 
But a two and four hole is a, is a tricky spot to to make the playoffs from. So uh, a big a big picture question, and <clears throat> obviously Jimmy Garoppolo going back to New England, and uh, we know how that all played out. But what what's your opinion on on how it went down? Because obviously there were conversations behind the scenes that I mean I guess Seth Wickersham some of it. Uh, reported some of it um but I- i'm curious as to your interpretation of of what happened um in 2017 when the patriots traded garoppolo whether or not that was by request of brady by way of ownership or um and whether or not you know maybe bill belichick has buyer's remorse on that trade and would rather have garoppolo right now um than than maybe uh his current quarterback situation how how do you think that that whole thing played out in in your mind i think there were external pressures from tom brady and robert Kraft uh to move jimmy garoppolo and i think belichick truly likes garoppolo as a person yeah he said as much for sure yeah and and he always says oh i like other players but he rarely talks about players who are no longer on his roster Mm-hmm. Um, he, he like won't talk about Tom Brady anymore. And <laughs> so the fact that he's open to talking about Garoppolo, the fact that um, I think he actually went out of his way. And I, I mean, this is pretty common knowledge at this point um, to, to give Garoppolo to a good offensive system. Um, right. the, the Browns were banging on the Patriots door, trying to give them a bigger offer. And Belichick just calls up John Lynch and goes, hey, do you want Jimmy for a second? And Lynch is like, uh, yeah. (laughs) And um, Belichick's like, cool. All right, let's just get the paperwork done. Don't tell anyone. And and then we'll just be done with this. Um, I think Belichick appreciates doing business with Lynch. I think Belichick thinks that or thought at the time that Shanahan would appreciate Garoppolo and make him a good quarterback, which I I mean... That's a whole nother discussion, but um, so I think, yeah, I think Belichick didn't necessarily want to make the trade. I think he made the trade, and in hindsight, the Patriots still managed to win a pair of Super Bowls in the post-Garoppolo era. <laughs> Not that that's actually yeah. a thing, but um, so I think, you know, you've got to be content with the decision to stick with Brady. Um, and there was really, it was, it was not logistically possible to keep both quarterbacks. So training right. Garoppolo made sense. Training Garoppolo for a second round pick when the Browns were offering better, that doesn't really make sense. And, um, and whether in your final question was, um, how would they feel about Garoppolo having him now? Well, like I kind of outlined, like, I just don't see a logistical way that they ultimately are happy to win the Super Bowls. So right. trying to figure out how to keep him during that time wasn't wasn't going to happen. And and trading, you know, having him right now for the Super Bowls, that that doesn't really make sense either. I think I think Newton over the next few games will probably prove that he's about as good of a quarterback. Um just a different style than Garoppolo and and they'll be happy, especially considering Newton's making like a million dollars uh base salary (laughs) with some incentives um so do you uh how how do you see sunday's game going and who wins i i keep telling myself that the 49ers are gonna win honestly um 
I just think they're a better team right now, especially after what we saw against Denver where the Patriots just like looked like a total mess. Um, you can go back to the, the Patriots game against the Seahawks and be like, okay, maybe this team shows up and they can beat the 49ers. But, um, you know, home field advantage doesn't really exist anymore because the stadium is empty. Yeah. And the 49ers just like looked so confident and competent last week. And that wasn't really the, the their very, uh, their variance percentage, like a, one of the advanced metrics has been really high this year, I think because of injuries. So it's like, they're, sometimes they're the best team in the league. Sometimes they're the worst, but what that just tells me is now that they're healthy, they're going to be fine in, in my opinion. And that the bad performances were, were mostly a product of their depleted roster. So you put that quarterback back in the middle of the offense and you put George Kittle back in the, in the centerpiece as well. And all of a sudden, I, I think the 49ers, you know, they could probably pull off a win like by three points, you know, 20, 24, 21, or some sort of odd score between like the, the mid teens to low twenties. Yeah. I think it's going to be a low scoring game too. I just don't know. Uh, the the big question for me like i mentioned earlier like the the zone read stuff if i'm if i'm the patriots i just leave guys like deon jordan um unblocked the entire time and just make him make decisions and on those zone read plays um and, and you know cuz uh, we saw it against uh against the eagles the niners gave up a really easy touchdown on a carson wentz zone read because deon jordan just crashed on the running back and i'm not sure that you know, obviously Nick Bosa is is much better at handling that situation. The 49ers don't have him, um, so I, I think the game could be won or lost depending on how the 49ers de- defend those zone read plays. And I think if Cam Newton um, is successful in those, I, I have a really hard time seeing the 49ers going to New England and winning because I also wonder about the 49ers downfield passing like they did a lot of really interesting stuff in the running game and stretching the Rams horizontally on Sunday but there wasn't a whole lot of pushing the ball downfield it was all about getting the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands quickly and can you threaten the Patriots secondary which is obviously like the strength of their team and that's sort of the 49ers weak point right now particularly as Garoppolo's dealing with this high ankle sprain and can't really push the ball downfield I think that's my question for for San Francisco is like they can win the game if they can push the ball downfield and get some explosive plays, but I don't know that um, I don't know that they're going to be able to given Garoppolo's health right now. So to your point, Henry, I think it's going to be close, sort of no matter what. Um, and I could see either either team coming out, but um, I don't know, man. Like you think the Patriots can lose three games in a row? That'd be wild. It's I think it's a sort of unprecedented moment, right? Yeah. Um, but he, you know that that is lingering in the locker room and that's like not sitting well with the players but at a certain point it's like okay but do you have a talent deficiency <laughs> yeah right so right. like all of the like pent-up rage in the world sometimes can't close the gap even for the patriots um but to but to your point of of garoppolo pushing the ball downfield i'm sort of interested to get into x's and o's um the patriots like putting uh, as many defensive backs on the field as they can. Like Adrian Phillips, uh, the the safety, former safety for the Chargers, he's basically playing inside linebacker, which is bizarre 
to see. Right. He had 11 tackles last week. So they go super light up front, and they like to let their defensive backs play in run, run support. Um, and they're comfortable with that because it forces teams to run the ball because they see, oh, wow, Adrian Phillips is in the box. Let's just like pound away at four or five yards per carry. But that kind of plays into New England's game where they're like, okay, cool, you could do that, but we're going to make you make a mistake at some point, maybe like three or four mistakes like the Broncos made, and then we're going to be able to get back into the game or even win the game. Um, And that's how, you know, they nearly beat the Chiefs. That's how they they nearly beat the Seahawks. Um, Well, actually, that's not at all how they nearly beat the Seahawks. Seahawks, (laughs) Russell Wilson was just like dropping dimes all over the field. He was, yeah, he's, he's sick. Yeah, that's how they, they, they did beat the, the Raiders, though. So um, I'm curious whether they stick with that heavy defensive back lineup that puts, like, oftentimes, like, three, four cornerbacks and three safeties on the field just so that they can force Jimmy Garoppolo to check down. Or do they sort of like tempt Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball into their secondary and put a few more linebackers on the field, like Chase Winovich, a guy who's sort of like beloved by advanced statistics right now, um, and some of their rookies who they drafted in the third round, and Fernie Jennings, Josh Uche, who we actually haven't seen much from at all. So it would be strange to see them all of a sudden in such a big game. But I kind of almost wonder if Belichick doesn't want to challenge Garoppolo downfield, doesn't want him to throw against Gilmore, Stefan Gilmore, JC Jackson, Jonathan Jones, honestly, three, three cornerbacks are playing like the best cornerbacks at their sort of respected ranks, CB one, CB two, CB three in the NFL. All right. Well, we're going to let you go on that. Um, please drink some, uh, some Trillium um, beer for me. And uh, and if you did happen to to send any out to California, I I certainly wouldn't reject it. Um, I'm bummed we can't hang out in Boston this week, but hopefully some at some point soon we can catch up in person and uh, and throw a few back, man. It would be good to see you. Yeah, indeed. All yeah, I'm bummed I'm not going to Boston as well. The Trillium, all of the hazy beers. Yes, absolutely. Sounds incredible. Um, all right, Henry. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, take we'll care. talk soon. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. The football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how much you watch. I know when I'm covering the 49ers and Patriots game from afar, I will be drinking Pepsi because it will keep me refreshed in this uh, Indian summer that we're currently going through. Um, it's tasty. It's almost like almost like dessert, like you're treating yourself a little bit. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day like I will be on Sunday because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. The wait is over. Football is back. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off with wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I really need to get to Boston. <laughs> I've only I've only been once, and it's uh, it's a good time, man. I went, it, it was perfect, like, back when uh, you could travel and, um, you know, hop on planes and trains and all of those things and feel safe about it. Sure, sure. Um, I did, like, a trip, started in New York City, went up to upstate New York, hang out with family, and then went to Connecticut and Boston, spent a weekend in Boston and went to a uh, Dodgers-Red Sox game at Fenway and sat... Oh, my God, that's so sick. Yeah, sat right down by the uh, the right field foul pole. Um, we even got a tour. My My buddy had... Knew somebody worked there, so we got a tour of the monster and everything. So yeah, Boston's a great town, especially if you just have a day where all you're doing is eating and drinking and watching baseball. That's that's uh, Boston can can handle can handle those activities at an extremely high level. Yeah, I did. You go to Cooperstown? I was gonna start talking about me, but I've never been there, so I don't have anything no. to relay. Did you go to Cooperstown when you were in New York? No, I did not. Never been to Cooperstown. I've been. I went to the. Uh, Went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton uh, week two last year when the Niners were training in Youngstown between weeks one and two. I went with Mayoko and uh, Cam Inman. It was fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was great. It was fantastic. Mayoko's a voter, so like we got to go underneath and check out. (laughs) He's a Hall of Fame voter, I should say. Oh, we we got a tour. Everybody, we got to hold like some of the original rule books like football rule books that were like what? 140 years old and like see all these artifacts and stuff. Yeah. We got like the behind the scenes tour. So um, shout out to Matt Mayoko. Cause he's, he's a person to know if, if you happen to be going to the hall of fame. Good to know. Good to know. Let's talk Niners Pats. Let's do it. Now that we've broken it down with Henry. Um, <laughs> what do the Niners have to do? I, I, I was telling you just before we jumped on and then decided to save it for the pod. I'm fascinated to see what, the 49ers, the chess match between Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick, I think is the the biggest storyline here. And I can see it going a million different directions. Like I don't I can't wrap my my head around. All right, if the 49ers do A, B, and C, because I just feel like Belichick is gonna have a counter for all those things. 
but yeah, it, it's then I think so, the Niners also have it. I I don't. Yeah, so so I watched the the pa- the Patriots Broncos game from last week, and it it seems like if the 49ers play the way they did against the Rams, particularly in the first half, um, or at least do some of the similar things, like they should be fine because I think the 49ers can still move them with their offensive line. Um, if they protect Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they'll be in a good spot. And then if Bill Belichick, I mean, the thing is with Kyle Shanahan's offense, it's like if you you just have to be incredibly disciplined to stop that running game when all the receivers are involved and there are 20 different variations of every run they, they you know, they try on you, right? right. Um, but if you're disciplined in that, then that sets up other things that Kyle Shanahan could potentially do to sneak guys downfield, right? So if the 49ers play sound, then then I think they're going to have a really good chance to replicate what they did in the first half of um, of the Rams game, because, you know, watching watching that Patriots team, they they sort of seemed like the Niners did a couple weeks ago against Philly. Like, it's just a lethargic game. It's they just don't seem to be going in a good way right now. And maybe they can snap back after one week, but um, I just didn't watch a team that that looked like it was sharp at all. And, and I guess that has to happen when you lose to Drew Drew Locke at home, um, you know, because it it was just a very very odd game from from the Patriots, given how poorly they played. I have a really hard time seeing the Patriots losing three in a row, but um, who the heck knows? I'm yeah. is is there a concern do you think for the 49ers that Belichick is going to kind of eliminate George Kittle and I feel like every time we've seen teams do that the Niners really struggle to move the ball. Yeah, I I think that has to be where you start. Um you you do what you can to eliminate George Kittle and and what that is like does he put Stefan Gilmore on him um I would be interested to see that because that that would make a lot of sense but then the 49ers would probably be in a good spot running the ball um if if you're going to put a corner on Kittle and then if your best corner's on Kittle then what are you doing with Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk and I think the most important thing for the 49ers in this game is to be able to stretch the defense and go downfield a little bit, because I would imagine the Patriots are going to load the box, um, try to disallow the 49ers from creating that space with the running game that they like to keep keep the ball in front of them and say, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to beat us, he's going to have to beat us over the top. And if you're the Patriots, you have a ton of talent in that secondary. So you probably feel like, you know, we like the matchups there against Samuel and Ayuk. So if the 49ers can figure out ways to push the ball downfield, whether that's through play action or whatever, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be really important because I don't think, put it this way, I don't think Debo Samuel's seven touches can all be running plays in this game. I think he's going to have to make some plays down the field. I think the same is probably true for Brandon Ayuk because look, to your point, I think the best way to counteract Bill Belichick taking away George Kittle is to get those guys making plays. But I do think you have to run the ball. Like Kyle Shanahan mentioning uh, last or this week, the how important it is for his teams to run the ball 30 times and basically saying like, 
if you're running the ball 30 times, it's generally a sign that you're running the ball well and you're controlling the tempo of the game. And the way the 49ers de- offense is constructed right now, it's it's all centered on the running game, which we talk about all the time. So, you know, I think running the ball 30 times is still something the 49ers are going to have to do to set everything else up that they want to try to do downfield. Um, but the big challenge with that is now you have to do that without Raheem Mostert, right? So um it'll be th- tough it'll be tough but i think the 49ers can do it what do i you do think- like i i was not impressed with with the patriots in in that broncos game what do you think the carry distribution looks like if jeff wilson jr is healthy what's the distribution look like between mckinnon hasty and wilson I think the first half is probably going to be a lot of mckinnon and then maybe in the second half they switch it up sort of like they did um, in that Rams game, although that the switch to Hasty sort of happened um, because of Mostert's injury, but uh, I, I think they're going to start with McKinnon just because they don't want to like give Hasty a start right away. I think they want to see how the game is going, and then and then maybe try switching things up on the Patriots by going to Hasty. Sure. Um, Jeff Wilson is a big wild card. Like I could see him getting ten carries, or I could see him getting zero carries. I really don't know. Same. I think it kind of depends on how healthy he is but it looks like he's going to play. So, um, you know, but, but the only, I, I honestly, it's so hard to predict how the 49ers are going to rotate their tailbacks because it seems like sort of the most random, um, the, like the thinking behind it, like Bobby Turner knows exactly what kind of running plays they're trying to use to, to win that game and which guys do those running plays the best. And as like a media person, I just can't sit here and tell you exactly which runs each guy does best. Right. So, um, but I think Casey's going to get some run. I really do. I think, I think Shanahan might like that idea of having that change of pace in the second half. Um, particularly if you're playing a close game where the, the running game is, is really important. I think Henry brought up something I thought was interesting that the Patriots run a lot of stuff where they have like six defensive backs on the field. Yeah. And I think if they're doing that, I think we see a game plan that looks a lot like what we saw against the Rams. Right. Um, where the Niners just try and get their, their offensive linemen into the second level and putting bodies on smaller defensive backs and letting their receivers run. I could absolutely see yep. that being the, the move. Totally. Or just going like big, like two tight end sets to try and get more linebackers on the field and, and throw out of those, which, yeah. you know, so that's what that's, it, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what the Niners game plan looks like. And a lot of it too, comes down to something we won't know, which is how healthy is Jimmy Garoppolo and how's he feeling? Um, yeah. And it's a game on turf too. What has to happen on the other side of the football? I think the, the, player everybody's going to have their eyes on just because of what this 49ers defense has struggled with this year is Cam Newton. And that's, I think, got to be concern number one, two, and three for the 49ers, given that the Patriots don't have a ton else. They really don't. Like, if if Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Verrett play like they did against the Rams, who have much better receivers than the Patriots right now, then the Niners are going to be in a really good spot um, because there is not a real cohesive passing game right now with the Patriots. Like, you know, Cam Newton threw a couple interceptions, 
17 to 25 is efficient, but just 157 yards. Like they, there wasn't a whole lot going on downfield. And, you know, Newton averaging just 6.3 yards per attempt is bad, right? Like that's um, that's not what you want, even though he's completing almost 70% of his throws. Um, right. You know, I don't like they they throw a lot of screens. Their running backs catch a lot of balls out of the backfield, but they are not a team with any downfield threats. So it's going to be up to tackling Cam Newton, I think. Like, I think their their biggest plays tend to come with the ball in his hands, whether he's scrambling on a third and long, um, whether it's near near the end zone, because he's like, like if I were playing the Patriots, I would do all I could to keep him out of the red zone. Just like, just keep them away from the goal line because it, they're not going to be a team that scores from 20 and 30 yards out, right? Like they're going to be be a team that scores if they get near the goal line because there are times that Cam Newton is just way bigger than everybody who's trying to tackle him and he scores touchdowns, right? So right. Um, if I'm the 49ers, I'm being really physical. Uh, I'm pressing the, the receivers on the outside. I'm not giving them room. I'm making them beat me over the top, which I don't think they could do. And... Uh, similar to how the Patriots are going to play the 49ers. I think they're going to condense things and try to have a bunch of guys near the line of scrimmage and, you know, prefer Newton tries to beat him with his arm, just given the state of their passing attack right now. Um, And the fact that even though the 49ers are super banged up at cornerback right now, they're still, they they're still good enough to cover those receivers. So um, I do think the 49ers can can do this, can go into New England and play well, but it's also going to com- come down to, like, does Josh McDaniels decide to take advantage of the 49ers defensive ends and zone reads, right? Like, right. Are, are they going right. to force Deion Jordan? Are, are they going to force Deion Jordan to make decisions to crash on the running back or crash on Cam Newton on third and two, right? Like, that's that's a big problem that the 49ers are probably going to be probably going to have. I think that's probably a bigger problem than pass rushing off the edge, to be honest, because I think the Pats, um, I think they're going to try to stress the 49ers in the running game, particularly with cam, because they've still allowed more rushing yards to quarterbacks than any defense in the league so far. It's not a huge number, but um, you know, 230 yards through six games, but it's still like, I think if, if, you just look at the the composition of the 49ers roster right now at defensive end. I think that's, that's a big problem because, you know, Deion Jordan in space is not Nick Bosa in space. It's, it's, it's a way you can attack the 49ers. um, Their, their biggest weakness right now. So that that's going to be something that Robert Sala has to, has to figure out this week. And those dudes just have to tackle cam. Like if cam Newton's breaking tackles, it's going to be really hard for the Niners to win this game. Does Jamar Taylor v. Julian Edelman worry you? Um, yeah, probably. But like, I thought Cooper Cup was gonna have 150 yards on 12 catches in last week's game. So I, you know, um, but yeah, like if you're if you're the Patriots, that that has to be a matchup you you try to find mismatches in. But yeah, I think so. Too. Um. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, we still don't know a whole lot about Jamar Taylor, but we did see uh, Jason Verrett was running around. I, I think he's probably the way he was running around today in his rehab and catching balls. I, I think he's going to be K-1 back Williams. at practice next week. Yeah, Kwan Williams. Um, so that's something we can talk about next week for for the Seattle game. But um, yeah, speaking of Jason, speaking of Jason Verrett, 
if he starts on Sunday, which he is on track to do, it'll be the most games, second most games he's ever started in a season. Wow. Yeah, he played in six as a rookie, but only started four. And then he started all 14 his second year when he went to the Pro Bowl, and then four the following year, and then one a couple times. Yeah. Crazy. Shout out to Jason Verrett. Great story. Shout out, shout out to Santa Rosa Junior College. Every time, dude. Like, we get it. Santa Rosa Junior College. I didn't go there. I just drove past the it every day. or whatever they are. <laughs> They're the Bear Cubs. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what a great... What a, I like that it's they specify Bear Cubs. Well, so they had a feeder Not program back cubs. in the day to Cal Berkeley. And Cal Berkeley's the Bears, right? So when so they became the bear cubs as a junior college which i get you know whatever i guess that makes sense sort of like why not just the cubs that's not a bad point thanks the cubs are pretty famous though yeah so so are the wildcats and there's a million wildcats oh okay there's not the chicago wildcats one of the most famous teams in baseball history okay fair that's fair <laughs> um predictions oh man um go <laughs> i think i've sort of indicated how i feel about this game like it, it just seems like and okay so i guess we have to couch it like this we thought the niners coming out of the giants game uh would thump philadelphia because um or at least play well against Philadelphia, not Thumpa, but play well against Philadelphia and probably be in a position to win, even though Nick Mullins was playing because the Niners had played so well um, and won their two games in New York, right? Right. Then they then they laid a stinker. So I was going to say that if the 49ers play like they did against the Rams, then you know, I, I could easily see them winning this game. And that's not like groundbreaking analysis. I, I only say that because the they just seem to be on going a much better direction than the Patriots are based on their most recent game. And watching the Patriots offense, I don't know that they have the weapons to really challenge the 49ers. And if the 49ers can be multiple enough on their offensively from their side and make a couple plays downfield, I think they can go in there and win the game and it could be one of those things where it's like okay like the 49ers are you know they're not the same version as 2019 but now they're like kind of getting on a roll here like I could I could see that being the situation um when we talk on uh, on Monday night when we record our next pod um but the reason why I mentioned the Eagles game coming off that Giants game was because you know, the Niners could go there and lay an egg just as easily. It feels like, right? Like they could have injuries in the first half. Sure. Um, some things could go sideways. They have to play somebody out of position or, you know, play, play a third string guy somewhere in the defense. And then the Patriots exploit that sort of like the Brian Allen situation. And then it's like, all right, well, you're not going to be Belichick at home doing this. Um, but I, I'm going to predict a 49ers win because I do still have faith I guess in in terms of the the foundation that they have, um, and I think they're gonna, the, I think there's an opportunity for them to get rolling a little bit, um, and uh, I think they have enough guys, like really good players still, um, 
that could figure it out and go in there and win. So let's see, let's say 28, uh, 23, 49ers. 49ers. Just specifying. How about you? What do you think? I, I, I don't disagree with, with what you said. I could see that playing out. I just can't, this is empirical data. I can't envision the Patriots and Bill Belichick losing three in a row. Yeah. And combining combining that with Cam Newton and the issues the 49ers have had with with running quarterbacks. Like I think there's just kind of a lot of things that that are stacked up against San Francisco and then you talk about desperation in the NFL and the Patriots are in kind of a similar spot to where the Niners are where you don't want to fall to 2 and 4 and and start digging a, a, a deeper hole than than you need to be in and, and falling further back in the division. So I think we're going to see, and especially with a full week of practice, I think we're going to see a Patriots team that's extremely focused um, and and playing at you know the level they can play at the way the Niners did last week against the Rams. I think the Patriots win 23-21. I think it's close, but I think they pull it out. Oh, okay. And I think yeah. we get I think we get a lot of the like, oh, the Patriots are back. Who was counting out the Patriots? Like we get a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that totally makes I'm sense. I'm not counting out the Patriots. Don't mark me in that group. Yeah, I mean I'm not counting them out. I just don't know it's how anybody be a could... bunch of straw men. Yeah, I don't know how anybody could watch what would happen in that Broncos game and feel great about them going into this week. They didn't get to practice. Yeah. No, I know. That's, it totally I, makes sense. And just when you go, like, if you go watch them against Seattle, and I know the Niners defense is better than Seattle's, but if you go watch them, like, against Seattle, and earlier in the year they looked really, really good, and I think we're going to get something closer to that version of them than than we got against the, the Broncos. Yeah, to- could totally see it. All it's right, a week-to-week week league, Kyle. Yeah, boy, you know, they say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're golfing together on Saturday. Yeah, we are. Should we uh should we talk about it on 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 the pod next oh, week? Absolutely. Unless All I right. play really poorly and then it never happened. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um yeah, I just got a new driver. I've been f- f- trying to find a driving range to go to Saturday morning cuz where we're playing doesn't have one. Um, one right down the street. All right. We'll talk about it off the pod. <laughs> we'll we'll okay. We'll just crush some drives and then uh and then yeah, hunt some pins, all that stuff. It'll oh be sweet. God. So many pins, just banging pins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds I think good. We're bowling. We're hitting so many pins. Yep. Okay, we're out Hunting of here. Candlestick Chronicles. Pins. Subscribe, rate, and review. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.